Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of The Driven Few with Al Hamid, where we align with those driven individuals to really get under the hood to learn as to how they get it all done with family and business. I am, of course, your host, Al Hamid, and I am blessed to work alongside of those high-performing individuals, aligning with them as to how they dive in and get it all done, excelling as a leader in their business and in their faith. Today, we are back in the truck, Truck Talk, episode two, whatever it is. There's not really even Truck Talk, but I actually did get a lot of good messages and feedback from the Eversting recap. So I said to myself, self, it makes a lot of sense to get back in here, especially when I have one of my good brothers on. So without further ado, I will set this up with an opportunity that I had to meet this gentleman. Nate is an individual. He's a leader within our King's Council tribe, and he's got a Rolodex of, we'll say, trophies that will accompany him that we can chat about. But one of the things that I've come to admire and in love about Nate is his intentionality. And I say that to say, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, brother, but Nate had an opportunity to come to Fort Wayne oh, I don't know, maybe four or six months ago or so, was was filming a, a movie or a scene for a movie that he was in in Fort Wayne, which is where I happen to be based. And I saw that he had posted something on Instagram and I wasn't about to allow the opportunity to pass us. So when I reached out to Nate, there was an immediate response. Uh, we actually shared some time, got on our King's Council call, man. And I want to let you know, brother, like that's a memory that it was a little thing, dude. But to me, man, it, it was something that I won't soon forget. So I very much appreciated it, man. It told me who you were as a person in your heart, brother. So let me introduce you so you can respond to that. Based out of Houston, Texas, from engineer to professional athlete. When I say professional athlete, I mean seven, seven-time Ninja Warrior, three of which he was a national finalist and champion of the Exatlon Challenge in Latin America, which... I know I just verbally vomited all over that and did it zero justice of what we could say. But Nate Burkhalter, brother, hop on in here, man. I'm so blessed and honored to have you. Come on, come on. Thank you, Al. Honored to be here. I appreciate that honor. And I think as you shared some of that, I receive it. And I also realized that you know sometimes those that are surrounding us are like mirrors. And I think I'm a good mirror for you in the way that you're one of the most intentional men that I know. I'm honored to have you as a friend and, and be aligned with you in life, especially to the King's Council, which is a huge blessing to me. But, you know, I made a trip up to Fort Wayne to film a scene in a movie, as you mentioned, which is a really cool God story. And out of nowhere, as I shared a story on my Instagram, you respond back, dude, you're in my town. Let's meet up. I feel like you were the one who took the initiative, who made the intentionality. And I'm like, oh, I'm down. Let's make it happen. But I was already out of my normal element. You were having to work within your constraints and you made it happen. You came to my hotel. We got to be part of the King's Council call. We got to hang out and kick it. That told me everything I needed to know about the way that you conduct yourself. So I was both honored in that. And it's a memory I won't forget. It was pretty cool. It was fun sending that text out to Steve and being like, hey, we met through you, man. We appreciate this. It was a really cool experience. And that that bonded my memory of like, I love Fort Wayne forever now. So that's a place I'll return. I'm glad I can be the face of the representation of Fort Wayne. And there's a favorable representation behind that, brother. That's good. Awesome, dude. Well, listen, I want to just dive into it. I know that you've got a litany of past experience across the board, man. And so I want to just kind of dive in, dude, and kind of just start wherever you want to start. Share a little bit about yourself to the audience, a little bit about, you know, kind of who you are and how Nate became Nate. Let's roll into it. You know, as an introduction... I now present myself in the ways that I've learned through some King's Council coaching. And so 
I say, my name is Nate Burkhalter. I am No Limits Nate. I'm a passionate, purposeful powerhouse man of God. Yes, you are. You know I was going to interrupt you on that, man. I love it. Come on, brother. That's a, a magnification. You know, one thing I live by is I live my life to show that there are no limits to what God can and will do through a life that's fully submitted to Him. So one thing I've learned is significance doesn't come until after submission. There's an element of significance and achieving and living in a purpose that comes from being aligned with the right purpose. And how do you know what that is? I trust that it comes from the one who created me, the one who designed this world and this universe. And when I got under alignment in that right authority structure, that's when my life flourished from a quote unquote success metric, but one that I've changed. You know, in, in the past, I think success in the world is more money, more fame, more recognition means more wins. And really, I begin to see that that's not both an eternal mindset. It's not going to last. It's only temporary, but it's also not significance. So it may be quote unquote victories or success, but it's not significance. So that shift for me happened about eight years ago when I found myself working my way through engineering in college. It was a degree that I pursued because it it seemed like the best path forward out of coming from a, a small town, Louisiana farming community. My dad was a pastor and a carpenter. I guess kind of like Jesus, but my dad wasn't Jesus. But we had a you know a big family. I was the oldest of five kids, and learned to work hard from an early age. Like it kind of depended on me. So I've got to make things happen if I want to see some version of success or or contentment or not repeating the same cycles of my my family and my environment. That led me into engineering. Always wanted to be an athlete, but really didn't move into the bigger athletic realm until college, put on a lot of weight in college and went from 130 pounds as a high school tennis player, which in South Louisiana, you're, you're made fun of for playing tennis. No respect there. Went to college, tried to walk onto the football team, had a crazy accident, not related to football that left me with second and third degree burns in my thighs all the way down to my toes. So I was in the ICU for almost a month and that kind of ended my athletic journey for a while. So stayed focused on engineering, made that happen, got a great job with a good company in Houston, moved to to Houston, Texas, which is a big shock for me coming from a small, small town and just started trying to crush it on the career path for a big corporation and, and found some success there. And I was kind of cruising in life like, man, all right, this, this is it. I've got some, got some money now. I've got some freedom. I get to do a few more things that I want to do. I've got a good environment around me. But about two years in, as a relationship was kind of failing, as I was trying to manage it my way and not really God's way, I'm like, man, I'm seeing people ahead of me in this corporate world, I'm seeing people around me, they're all kind of miserable. They're all numbing things that they're doing by overstressing themselves and happy hour away or some kind of affair with their on their their wife or husband or just pouring their self, everything they have into some version of a career, hoping that that's going to be what fulfills them and just watching the financial metrics tick up but go, man, this isn't it. So as I'm like, God, what is there? What is it for me to do? What was I created to do? And right now I feel like I'm kind of running from that submission piece is like, I want to control my life. And if I can control it, then maybe I'll be the one who determines what my happiness is or what my significance or, or success is. And I wasn't finding it. So eventually I went back to some of the roots. All right, God, I was raised in faith, but I've walked away from that because I saw a lot of religion. I saw a lot of khaki wearing Christians that didn't inspire me. Sometimes they motivate me either with fear or with, or with some version of like, you know, how do I receive love or affirmation, but it wasn't lasting. So I was like, all right, God, if, if you're here, if you're real, I need to see it. And a, a verse popped up to me that was Deuteronomy 429. And it said, if you seek me with all of your heart, this is God speaking to us. If you seek me with all of your heart, that's where you'll find me. And I realized 
good coaches that I've had through the years, sports coaches, financial business coaches, anyone that's leading you always says, I want you to give 100%. It's not about you being better or worse than someone around you. You know, sometimes we need a little bit of a, a reference point with those around us, but it's not about you being better or worse. It's I need you to give 100%. And that's where I know that you'll be able to move to your next level or grow through something. And I realized in my faith and in my life, I was playing it safe. I wasn't giving 100% in anything. It was, it was 50, 60, 70. And I, I think I'm a capable person. So it looked like I was doing a lot, but I realized I'm leaving things in the tank and I'm playing it safe because I'm, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of the risk. So at some point I felt that call of God telling me, Hey, Hey buddy, if you want to see significance, you got to submit to me and you've got to go all in. So about eight years ago, I adopted this all in mentality and I went into a wilderness for a while. Like it wasn't like, boom, cool, awesome things happened. It was like, I got unplugged. I thought I was going to have to quit my job and move to Africa and be some missionary in a mud hut, which sounds terrible. But the change was I got unplugged from a lot of broken systems and I got away from all that. I gave up a lot in my friend groups, in my hobbies of sorts. And it's just like, God, I need, I want to see how you can guide my life. And so he began rewiring some things in my life and it became a Matthew 633 principle of seeking first the kingdom of God, his way of doing things. It, it uses the word righteousness, but righteousness in that context means God's way of doing things. There's a structure, there's an order. And as an engineer, man, you show me a good structure and an order and a plan. I'm like, I, I can follow that. I can repeat that. Come on. And then behind that, I can bring some passion to it. So I started walking and operating in new principles by faith not by what I could see, which was tough for me as a math physics guy. I'm like, man, I want to see it. I want to prove it. And there's room for that. There's definitely room for that. But that was the journey and the change of God beginning to lead me by faith. And it, it led to some really cool journeys. So through that process, you know, the past eight years, I've I've been to over five continents, 35 countries, working some pretty cool projects for a large engineering firm. And then in parallel, training to become a, a pro athlete. So I got on a Ninja Warrior after two years of applying and trying and getting rejected. Eventually, that led to some cool breakthroughs despite some significant injuries. And all that kind of led me to take a leap of faith, saying, I want to do more with my life. God, what does it look like? How do I stay out of the comfort zone and jump forward? And so I took a big leap of faith right two years ago now, left the engineering realm, left the corporate structure that I'd built up and found some success in. I said, God, use my life in whatever way. You see fit, and he's opened some really cool doors since that point, and it's it's been a launch. So there's a small little, I'd say, more achievement oriented backstory. You know, I've had a lot of struggles through that, a lot of moments of like, God, what in the world am I doing? Or me saying, God, are you real? And then he shows himself, and then the miraculous happens, and then that journey of faith, of fighting adversity and seeing it be an activator in my life instead of something that stops me. So there's a little, little intro, little intro. I know. Cause you've got a whole bunch more. We're going to unpack here, man. That's, that's good, dude. One of the things that you said, brother, that I think a lot of people might just kind of marginalize or diminish that really was like a highlighter for me. You mentioned two years of rejection and I kind of want to just unpack a little bit about your why on how it is that you can go from and you didn't mention this, but I know this from conversation with you, where you're essentially pampered. You're your first class engineer. We're going to fly you. You're the man. We're going to take you to wherever. So you're obviously hitting some sort of a financial pillar that maybe wasn't where you want ultimately wanted to be. But 
knowing you and your personality, you know, you were certainly on your way up that ladder in terms of vertical growth. So my question would be what switched, like what was it? And then how did you, from that, use that as a catalyst to instigate a why that would allow you to go through two years of both mental and physical rejection? Man, that's a great question. There's, there's a lot of gold in that. One journey I had with Ninja Warrior was I finally got to a place that I was no longer attempting something and worried about the outcome and the way that it would define me. So prior to 2012, I think I was 27 years old at the time. Man, everything up to that point had been, I'll try and do this if I already think I can do it. I didn't have the capability of failing, especially publicly, because it would it would be what defined me. I got rejected a lot as a kid. I, I wasn't the coolest kid. We were fairly poor. I got bullied and picked on a bit. I had I lacked a lot of confidence in certain ways. And I realized I didn't have a foundation in my faith in God, seeing him as both my father and my provider, my guider, a, a friend. I felt alone in a lot of ways. And so some of the, the wounds that I struggled with was like, I am alone and it's all up to me. And then as I begin to think through that realm, it was more subconscious, but I can, in hindsight, look back and see it. I wouldn't follow through and attempt something with full effort because I'm like, if I give it everything I've got and it's not enough, that means I am a failure. Now I can give everything I've got to something. And if it fails, I can say, hey, that didn't work out, but I don't let it define me as I am a failure. And the only difference is I now identify as a son of God most high and my successes or failures are not what defines me. But before that realization, before really giving that submission to God that I talked about before, anything I attempted was going to be a definer of me. So I was mortified to talk in front of people, but I always felt a stirring in my heart that that's what I'm called, one of the things I'm called to do. But the enemy used fear to intimidate me so I wouldn't step into the arena. Or if I did, I'm kind of dancing around on the outside. So there was a time in college, I remember a guy in a college group that I finally got back into a church and I I heard him get on stage and share something. He talked about like a porn struggle. I was like, man, and maybe this isn't appropriate for our our group and our audience, but like, let's just keep it real. You know, I mean, I I was a hot blooded, normal dude. And I'm like, man, I struggle with some of the same things and I'm trying to figure this out, but I'm ashamed and I would never say it in front of anyone else. I feel alone in this. I see this guy get up there and speak his truth with conviction. And I was so impressed, but also so convicted because I felt God say, Hey, I'm calling you to do the same thing, but you're too worried about projecting your, your togetherness, your success to everyone else. You won't be real. And I I couldn't put myself out there in that time and place. Cause I felt like if I shared a struggle or a weakness, people are going to be like, I knew it. You're a phony. You're a fake. You're not real. You don't have strength. The same thing. When I tried out for the football team in college, I gave it a good 75, 80% effort, but I didn't give it everything because I felt like if I gave it everything and I still didn't make it, I was fully rejected as an athlete or I was no longer a man. The difference was when I got to the place of trying out for Ninja Warrior, it was after that realization of giving my life fully to God and saying, you're the one that defines me. Now I can step into the arena without fear of failure or fear of success because success can also cripple you in certain ways. It can make you weak. You know, you see guys that climb to the the top of their food chain in certain aspects and then they become complacent. They lose their way or people find success too early in lottery winners and they don't have a foundation to handle that and it destroys them. And I saw both cases, but now I can jump in and say, Hey, this doesn't define me. And so with that mentality, I was like, Hey, I'm willing to go for one of the biggest things out there that is very visible. You know, American Ninja Warrior is a a very well-recognized TV show. 
and it's very public in your failure. So I went for it knowing that, hey, there's a good chance I don't make it. At the time, there were like 10,000 applications and, and 500 accepted. And then after that, the next year, it was 50,000 because it, it took off with its success. So I was like, I know there's a low chance that I get on this, but you know what? I'm going to give it everything I've got. And I had to keep reinventing myself and learning and making adjustments, not excuses, not like, oh, they didn't pick me. Well, because this and that, blah, blah, blah. It was like, no, make the adjustment. We say that a lot in, in our King's Council, you know, champions make adjustments, not excuses. And so I, I made that adjustment, but also didn't let it hit me at the core of, man, I feel rejected. Like I'm embarrassed. I made this announcement to everyone. I talked about it. I'm going for this. And then I visibly failed. And eventually the third year when I did get on, I still had a big failure. And it was like, well, this isn't what defines me. I'm going to choose to let this adversity be the thing that activates me because I have the fruits of the spirit and perseverance is one of those. And so I'm going to choose to align with that, even though I don't feel like it, even though, you know, it looks like it's over for another season. And for those that don't know much about American Ninja Warrior, there's a few weird things that happen. One, when you see us competing, it's pre-recorded, So they, they film everything and then package it together in a way that they want to tell the story. It's real, but you know, if you ran first and I ran second, they could flip that on TV and and make a story around it. But it, it happens at night. So most of my runs have been at 3 a.m. in the morning. You get one shot. It's a course that's never been used before. It's freshly built. We haven't seen it. We don't get to test run it. You walk out there and it's designed to make you fail. So it's it's uh, it's like a, a more competitive version of Wipeout. Like there's going to be a lot of people who fail. Then out of the 500 that got accepted, only about... 130 of them will ever appear on TV. Out of those 130, only about 30 will get some kind of feature and become known as a Ninja Warrior athlete. So there were times I broke in the first two years, I didn't even get put on TV. Like I had no visible metric of, hey, I did it. I was on, you know, none of that showed up. I still had to continue to go and then eventually got on, but then had injury after injury and things that kept me from hitting what I thought was my potential there. So I was trying to achieve some goals and metrics that I'd set, but it still became a faith journey. And through it all, I realized the key principle in my whole journey, one is not being identified by success or failure, but the other thing is it's not about me. Like many times we get caught up in our own story. And if it's our own story, it's a small story. When God really showed me, hey, you're here because I've placed you here and I've placed you here because now you have the right foundation to handle it. But your goal is to be an ambassador for me. I'm interjecting you in this environment. I'm giving you influence here, but it's not about you. Make sure that you're impacting people the way I've called you to do. And I can't say that I'm hyper-spiritual and aware and was like, oh, bing, thank you, God. Those moments would come. I struck that down, dude. I Amen. I received that. I At that time, I wasn't as aware. Now I've been training and I've been receiving growth and I've learned and shifted and now I can respond so much quicker to where the Holy Spirit guides. But at the time, it came from a lot of great women in my life who were friends who would see me somewhat pouting on the sidelines after a, I broke my ankle or after I ripped my shoulder out of socket. And I'm I'm kind of crying and, man, what was me? And those friends would come up and say, Nate, I know you're disappointed right now. I know you put a lot of work in this. I know your season's over. And you don't know if next year's going to play out where you get another chance because you have to audition every year and it's it's hard to get back on. They would say, don't forget, and these are Christian sisters who would say, don't forget why you're actually here, and it's not about you. And it was a good slap in my face of like, whoa. And as I would look around, dude, I would see 20 other people who are broken and who have no hope in their life. They've put everything they have into this sport, and they just feel like I did, or they got injured. 
And the difference was they had no deeper purpose there. That was the thing they were looking for their identity. And God hit me like, this is your moment to go speak into their life. Don't sit here and pout about your situation. Go there. So through my biggest failures and injuries and disappointing seasons throughout that athletic journey, those are the moments that God used for me to make an impact on someone else's life. I thought it was going to come when I get a trophy, you know, back here. I got a trophy now, but that came way later. I thought those moments were going to be the ones that God used me. He used me in the, the moments of failure and of brokenness and said, my strength will shine through in your weakness. And and that's the message I want to remind others that are listening with, because so many times we get lost in our story. And, and it's natural. It's a human, human piece. And it doesn't mean that God won't and can't use us through significance and impact and reach and, and success. But it's that reminder that a lot of times God speaks and, and we connect with people through the vulnerability. And so I had to learn, hey, it's not always about that success piece. And then, you know, people going, oh, wow, you, you did it. Great. I look up to you now. It's seeing how you walk that journey out and how you can both stay humble, but also direct them to God. And those are some of the things that I consider significance and success. It's not the trophy. It's not the winnings. It's not the titles. It's being able to show God's grace and his spirit through your moments of what feels like defeat. Because ultimately, the defeat that Jesus suffered on the cross was the ultimate victory that that now gives us the ability to carry authority and power on this earth. And that's what I'm thankful to be able to walk with. Man, this is so good, Nate. I feel like for the past, oh, I don't even know how long that's got to be, like five to seven minutes of rip, man. You just, not that it was not real before, right? But you just went to another level where you just full on, not not that there was a mask on or anything, but just like who I am, man. This is this is my heart. And that is that is the premise of the driven few. Like not about zeros in your bank account or trophies or accomplishments. And I certainly want to talk about that because I'm not trying to marginalize that trophy and accomplishment behind you because I know what it means to you in the seven months that you went through to do that's the real and the raw. That is what we're here to talk about. Like how, that's the inspiration, right? On on that. So some of the things that I that I wrote down, man, and it's just off the top of my head is, is really your submission gave you permission as in you stopped hanging your hat from a fixed mindset. I have to do this in terms of giving yourself permission to be able to go to a, a B event or a JV event. Cause you know, you're going to accomplish it. It's just to what extent and how well you're going to accomplish it. But your submission to your faith in God really gave you permission to say, Hey, I'm transitioning on mindset, like we talk about, from trying to training. So when you go with the faith that, hey, listen, I got this, and now I'm training. Now for an athlete, stud athlete like yourself, like that switches is like, oh well, I, you know, I I didn't hit my eighth rep. Yeah, it's because I did 96 before, and I'm repping out like now I'm training. So now the the proverbial losses, so to speak, in your mind or transition of, I, yeah, it's a loss, but I got stronger from it. Dude, I so related to what you just said because my entire life, I very much had that fixed mindset result-driven deal where I've, I've hung my hat on my accomplishments. And I would like to have told you up until even two weeks ago in Everesting, man, where I was just like, no, nah, I'm not that way anymore. I'm not that guy. And I used to be that guy. And when I say I'd like to have told you, dude, hands down, I've been on stage or I've said that out. It's come out of my mouth to somebody in a conversation. And I realized as I was on the mountain 
embarrassed, fatigued, annoyed, frustrated, insert emotion here. Like, why are you frustrated? For me, the objective was, is I want to be able to have these deep, dark negotiations. They don't have to be bad, but the conversations with God that you just have, where you're just like, dude, I'm out. I don't have any more. Like I, I need you. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't get to have those because my legs aren't working. And I was frustrated about that. But I realized after hours and hours of being able to get back on the mountain, like, dude, God speaks to me through relationships. And the very same people that were literally lapping me on my lap two, on my lap four, had already gone through the night. We're now deep in a place in their minds. I got to be the guy to speak championship language into them. And I was fully fresh with a mindset and legs so I could do that. And I realized, yo, this is my trophy. These are my trophies. This is my ability to like exhaust everything I have to be able to do that, man. And to be able to like, you know, you could tell like who your friends and your acquaintances are. They're like, Hey man, how did the event go? How'd Everston go? Or how'd that go for you? You know? And they're like, yeah, man, I, I hit four out of 13. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah, dude. What, or what happened, man? Like, Never would have expected that from you. I got that a couple of times. And it's like, dude, I can't even begin to tell you the victories that I got out of those four, especially the four that came from nothing from me, from everybody else, man. So I say that to say, dude, everything you just said landed so much with me. I already know it's going to land so much with our audience. And it edifies and showcases your heart, brother. Honor and respect to you, dude. Thank you, bro. Yeah, I, I draw a lot of inspiration by example. So I'm very protective of the people that I surround myself with and just honor back to you. That's one of the reasons I'm thankful to have you in my life and to be aligned with men like yourself and what we have with the King's Council, because it's so critical to know the people that are around you are going to be able to be vulnerable and real. Like you just shared, you know, Steve's a great example of, of being real. I feel like I got a lot of permission from watching the way Steve lives his life because he's raw and vulnerable in his trials, like in the things that he's done. He's like, man, I was struggling here. Like people would look at my trophy and go, oh, this guy's got it together. And and I think you and I both, as we have had some achievements in our life, there's still a, a process of us being sanctified, you know, fleshing that out. And so you get to a level, you're like, man, I think I got all that out. Like, I think I'm now operating from the heart and I'm not, I'm not worried about the metrics. And then you see that, oh, there's a little bit more in there, but that's just the process. Like you get to the next level and it's like, I don't know if you had full withers back in the day, you go mud riding or, or take your truck out mud riding and you come out and you're like, okay, I got to clean this thing up. And you break out the pressure washer or you break out the hose and you're, you're spraying this thing off and you're, you're getting all the mud off the outside and you, you clean it up pretty good. And you're like, oh, it, it's clean. It's good. And then you're like, oh, but let me get one more pass over here. Let me spray it under the undercarriage. And as you start doing that, a whole lot more mud and dirty water comes out. And you're like, oh, I thought I got it all, but there's a little bit more in there. And you make a third pass and you find this little cavity and hole that you, you pump some water into and some more comes out. And you're like, geez, I thought I had this thing clean two passes ago. And I think that's the process God's doing with us as it's, it's a steady sanctification. You know, that's the, the journey that we go through. But man, I honor you because you've been so raw and real. You give permission to me and others to be authentic, to show that I wouldn't call it weakness, but to show that you don't have all the answers. You don't have all the strength. You're not Superman. But when you submit yourself, when you're vulnerable, dude, that's when you triumph. And that's when I get inspired, not just motivated, but inspired. And I feel like inspiration is such a deeper level of, of some kind of truth and resonance with that. So thank you for being real in those places. 
and being real when you say, hey, even if I said two weeks ago or a month ago, I thought I was at this place. Like, well, then God puts you through a deeper stressor. He puts the the pressure washer setting up a little bit more and hits you a little harder and it, it cleans out just a little bit more. And being real is saying, hey, found a little bit more. Cool. That just means I'm a little cleaner now. I'm a little more connected with purity and the way that God's going to use me in a certain place. So it's, it's good. And like me getting to share whatever I just shared a second ago, just it came out of my heart, but I felt like it, it connects with truth. Like I get emotional in some of those places where I'm like, man, God, I gave it everything I had and I failed. And God's like, no, you're right where you need to be. And it's not a failure. I, I now look at it like I either win or I learn. I don't, I don't see failure anymore. And those places are always a setup. Like, so those setbacks are always a setup. Not to interrupt you real quick, but that point right there, man, is the, is the permission giver. That is what you do. I know with your work with children and your travel or what, with people in general, man. And then I want to speak to that and honor you for that. I certainly didn't want to interrupt your point. What you're saying is exactly right. So like for me, for example, like I'm not interested in seeing and talking to the guy that is hit hundred percent from everywhere all the time, because where's the adversity in that? Not only that, but man, as a person, as a real life person, like, dude, you're not teaching me anything on how to struggle through adversity on how to struggle through life's triggers on how I want or should to be as a man, as a husband, as a man of God, because you're not showing me any of your adversities. You're just telling me everything is Instagram real and everything is perfect. But when someone like you that goes up, that has had successes, both had successes previously and is not at a position where you want to be. And I'm not saying that you're not having successes right now, but you're, you are deliberately throwing yourself to the fire with daily doses of discipline, discomfort to take yourself to your next level, which ultimately subsequently then puts you in a position, man, where you're growing yourself. And it's sometimes when we're growing ourselves, it doesn't look pretty. It's, it's ugly. It's sweaty. It is outside of the, Oh man, I can't show this to people. And when you show that like you do, it gives permission for other people to say, yo, this is what he looked like when he was in his grind. I'm, I'm not that way. I'm, I'm not smiling through this self-imposed suffering. When I say self-imposed suffering, I'm not saying we're cutting ourselves. I'm saying we're doing something to put ourselves in a position that aligns with our vision of growth. If Nate is doing that and I'm showing up and I'm F this and I'm F that and I'm miserable and I'm angry, this gives me an example of how to show up for the world. And I say that to say, man, there's not a lot of guys that do that. A lot of guys will tell you, Hey, this is what I did to get here. But look at me now. Cause I'm already here. It's easier for me to talk about it since I'm at the top of the mountain. I'll tell you about my grind and growing up poor and growing up everything else. It's easy to talk about that. But nobody wants to talk about that when you're going through it. So I say that to say, man, honor and respect to you, brother. I love and appreciate that. My man. Thank you, bro. I am still training to do that. Cause it's still hard. Man, every every step of faith is just as hard as the last one. Like you've got evidence of, okay, I got through that. God came through, something worked out. So it gives you a measure of faith. But then the next step that you have to take, it's a bigger step. And it's still just as scary. So I still am training to be clear and to be vulnerable as I'm in the process and not just when I'm on the mountaintop. Because And that's where I say you, Steve, has been great examples in my life of how we can do that. And that's how you connect with people. Because I think that the manly way that we learn is like you show the achievement once you're at the top of the mountain, but you don't show the struggle through the valley. And so I, th- I thank you for that honor. I have grown in that, but I am not there. I have not arrived. And and I get reminded of that often. And that's why I uncomfortably surround myself with men like you that challenge me. 
both by the way you live your life or by the way I get called out. And I don't like a call out, but I appreciate it, at least in hindsight. I'm like, wow. So that's the process. Man, yourself in the situational awareness day is second to none, man. Honor and respect to you on that, which I guess leads me to one of the things that I wanted to talk about to you in terms of <laughs> intentionality and awareness, getting the opportunity for seven months. And I know that's seven months while you're in it. I mean, who knows what it took to be able to, to put yourself in that. So and what I'm referencing, well, dude, you just set it up. Tell the audience what exactly Exatlon is, was, you know, that really big, heavy, shiny trophy for those of us that can see what's going on here over Nate's shoulder now, dude. Tell us what it is that we got going on with that and walk us through that story. Yeah, let's talk about one of the craziest athletic adventure journeys I've been on uh, in, in my life, but also there's this TV show that exists. It's an athletic reality TV show. It's considered one of the toughest in the world as far as a, a challenge. And what it is, it's Exatlon is the name, but it takes elements of Survivor. The co-creator of Survivor branched off and created this show. He, he saw Team Ninja Warrior, which is Ninja Warrior on teams. He's like, I want to create a show that, that integrates these two things. And when I got on this thing, which was a total God story after I left my job and out of nowhere, I was like, I don't know what's next. An agent reached out to me and said, hey, man, I think you'd be great for this TV show. I saw one of your Ninja Warrior episodes where you persevered through a severe food poisoning bout and you still fought on, beat this course, you pushed through an injury. Like this TV show is one of the hardest in the world, both with the athletic challenge, but also the way that they put you through these survivor elements. He's like, you should go for it. It's a rare chance you'll get on. But I was like, man, at this point, if God's in it, nothing's going to stop it. If he's not, then it's not for me. I throw my name in the hat and I get chosen as one of the five men on the famous team, which was crazy because now I'm finding myself next to World Cup pro soccer player team captains that had been in the Olympics that had, and for this guy's from Mexico, you know, in Mexico, football is God. And I say football is in soccer for the, for all the gringos out there. But I got on this Latin American TV show that was spoken in Spanish and it was one of the craziest most exciting and yet most isolating and hardest things I've ever done. And the format was you compete every single day as a team that we were on the famous team versus the contenders. So it's 10 people on each team. And every week someone gets eliminated based off of your scores as you're competing through these kind of like Spartan race courses, very short. And you had to race through this course against your opponent, solve a quick puzzle and then finish with some kind of uh, throwing challenge. So it's like, throwing a football 20 yards through a hoop while the other opponent's doing it, using a baseball to knock off a bowling pin 60 feet away. There's 70 different like combinations of these challenges. So it's different every day. And then the survivor element was that you had no cell phone, no TV, no internet, and you went and slept in a shack in the woods. You ate rice, beans, boiled eggs, and dried chicken. There was no entertainment. We were locked down. We weren't allowed to walk anywhere. We were literally in this little shack, or you could go into the woods next to it. So it became the survivor element of like, how do you survive mentally? Because every day you're competing, you're beating your body up, you're giving it everything. Some days we're competing for pizza. Once a month, a big prize would come out and they'd have a new SUV. So we had these massive swings in like what the prize would be, what we were competing for. And it was a, a big element of how do you be a good team player and sacrifice yourself at times. And I was able to thrive and shine in that way where I was like, hey, I'm here because it's not about me. So let me be a good team player. Let me put others first. Let me sacrifice myself for the team. And dude, time after time, something miraculous would come from that. And I would get to stand up on a podium in front of the millions watching and say, hey, today this thing worked out. But what I was trying to do was honor God or honor my teammate or, or take the hit 
or sacrifice myself in a way or, or do what was needed as a team player. And then somehow I came out as the solo winner of this. And, and I could say that story through winning several SUVs on the show. And that was provision for me as well as I'd left my my high paying corporate job and left out into a world of the unknown where I could be eliminated every week. It was living by faith every day. And the key that I learned from this journey was we had nothing we brought with us, like no cell phone, no TV, no ability to like communicate with the outside world, no knowledge of COVID going on because we're locked down in this little compound in the Dominican Republic. And as we're competing, the one thing that I could cling to every day was I was able to get a Bible in. I got a one exemption in and I got a Bible in. And so I would wake up in the morning with a rooster would crow. I'd go out in the woods next to this little fire pit thing that we made with some rocks. And I'd sit there and read my Bible. I'd get a word from God every morning, just a little bit of time in prayer. And that would prepare me for that day. And then I would go out, give it everything I've got. And my life there became a marathon of sprints. Every day I had to give it all I had, but it was a freaking marathon. Seven months, 26 weeks. Man, it was a grind. And by the end of it, going through a broken ankle, a partially torn Achilles, one of the teams getting COVID back when it was supposedly scary, you know, when people didn't really understand what the outcome could be. And then at the end, I almost broke my neck. I herniated two discs. And it was a scary time being in this little field hospital in the Dominican Republic with, with people speaking and shouting Spanish around me, me not having any context for what's going on because I don't speak any Spanish. Or I didn't. I've now trained to really learn. But crazy process, miracle after miracle, and me every day just being equipped by submitting to God and saying, what do I need for this day? Not what do I need for a month from now? How am I going to get through this day? And I still plan and I still strategize. But overall, God would shine through he would do something in the impossible. And I came out with this massive testimony of a trophy by the end of it. I had a lot of people that were cheering for me in the way that, man, this guy, he really represents something else. Like he, he submits to God. He honors his teammates. He will not win at all costs. He will give it his best, but he won't cheat. He won't do something on camera or off camera. And dude, there were so many situations like there's the athletic side, but then there's beautiful women there. We're alone. Yet people throwing themselves at you. There's also high stress situations. There's frustration. I mean, I saw affairs happen, components like that where men and women are under high-stress environments, isolated from their, their family, isolated from everything else that they know. And, and they're like, what's my coping mechanism here? How do I survive this mentally? And that's where I saw my faith really deepen and see, man, God speaks. And if you listen, the Holy Spirit will guide you. But you have to silence your environment a bit. And so when I got isolated— at first, it was it was scary. I'm like, man, I don't have my resources. I don't have my people. I don't have this and that. And God reminded me, everything you need is inside you. You just have to silence your environment, get alone, and listen to what he's saying. One simple cool story of that is just one month in, I'm having my little quiet time in the morning. And it's easier to do that there because there was nothing else to do. There's nowhere else to go. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have my schedule. I didn't have demands outside competing for my time. But I sit alone. I'd read a scripture. I read one one proverb every day, one chapter from the New Testament. And then sometimes I just like spin my Bible around and say, all right, I got to put my finger down. I did that one morning. And through the context of what I was reading, the number three just kept like popping out at me. And in my spirit, the number three was really heavy on me. At that point, I learned like, if that's significant to me for some reason, I'm going to grab hold of that. We get to the course that day and every day was a new challenge and a new course. And the announcer said, hey, today we're competing for, and then we get a drum roll and they point down the beach and this new SUV drives out. And they're like, today's the big prize. There's a new SUV on the line. The winning team will then 
get to compete within itself and the top two winning people from that team will get a chance to compete for the podium. The winner that goes to the podium gets to pick between numbers one, two, or three. Behind number, one of those numbers is a, a picture of a car. Behind another one is a, a remote control car. And behind another is the key to that car. Long story short, by some miraculous thing, our team wins. And then me and another person get elevated to the top position. We go to the podium. I win that. I get the chance to pick between numbers one, two, and three to win the SUV. And the moment they get up there, they're like, Nate, what number is it? And I'm like, number three. They hit me with a little, okay, um, we're going to eliminate number two. And they they knock out number two, and they show that it was the picture of the car. So now I got odds of one out of two. And they're like, hey, we'll uh, we'll make you an offer. How about $5,000 to just walk away with cash? And I'm like, mm, nope, I'm staying with this number. They're like, how about $10,000 to walk away with just cash? And I'm starting to run the numbers like, man, it was crazy how this situation just played out. Maybe they're trying to help me. Maybe I picked the wrong number. Maybe they want the momentum to carry and me to walk away with something because the way that I got to that spot, I must have picked the wrong number. So my analytics are running. My engineering mind's running. But my spirit was telling me, hey, God put something on my heart that morning with the number three because that's how I was spending time alone with him. And I've been doing that consistently. And he was speaking to me every morning. And so I'm like, my heart versus my head are are struggling. And they're like, what's it going to be? Are you going to stay with your number or are you going to take the cash? And I was like, I looked at a person on the other team and like, she looks at me and she's like, points to the heart. She's like, stay with your heart. And she she didn't know anything. She just knew I was wrestling with like trying to figure out something. So I was like, I'm going to go with number three. That's what's on my heart. They spin that thing around. Boom. You win the SUV. Both teams go nuts. Like the losing team that were my opponents were like celebrating so hard. They were so excited. And that simple moment, winning a new SUV, it's kind of a cool experience, you know, doing that on TV. We've watched The Price is Right or we've watched something else. But that was a God moment of just a simple reminder. Hey, when you spend time with him, when you silence your environment, he'll speak things to us. And a lot of times it's not about winning some cool, fancy external car, but it's the food that we need for that day. It's our manna for the day that's going to help carry us to accomplish the mission we have. And if we do that consistently, I'm preaching to myself because I can't speak that I do that consistently. I've had seasons where I do it consistently. There's other times when I'm not, and I'm still in that training. And that's why I surround myself with the right people that are challenging me when I get too busy and distracted, which happens all the time. But when we get in that place, that's how we can live our life as a marathon of sprints, because every day we can align ourselves in the right place. We can get that message from where we're supposed to be. Sometimes it's a big, clear, bing. This is the number. This is the thing. Other times, it's just the consistency of walking in that process with God, and He delivers the thing we need at the moment we need it, and we recognize it, and then boom, something miraculous happens. But it comes after a lot of adversity. So that's a little unpacking of my Exatlon story. That is a lot unpacking, man. And honestly, brother, I felt that. I mean, I was very much listening and feeling, and I'm sure that there's folks in our audience that were able to walk that path with you, man. And again, before we went into your share there, one of the things that was on my mind and my heart that we kind of segued into was yourself and situational awareness. And there's so many things to unpack for what you just said, your intentionality, your heart of hearts, the way that you showed up in adversity, the way that you showed up when you won, a lot of things that we could share. But again, the things that are just resonating with me are your intentionality. And you know, when we have coaching calls and conversations, you know, and you peel back the onion and you and you you kind of mirror situations or conversations to folks, and then they come to this to the reality of, of oh yeah, yeah, well, I wish I would have done that, or yeah, next time I'm going to do this. So they see like the intentionality is there, 
but their self and situational or situational awareness isn't there. So even you can be the most intentional person in the world, but if you're not recognizing what opportunities you have, that intentionality is just kind of a moot point. So I say that to you to say, like I said, self and situational awareness, hand to God, having no idea about your exact line story. That was the first time that, so the audience knows that I've just heard it, the details, and, and I want to continue to unpack it anymore. I'm not sure this is going to be one of many for us, Nate. I already know I'm speaking that into existence. But, man, the thing that just can't continue to come to the top of my mind is you understood. Dude, this is both a sprint and a marathon. And there's components where I have to go out and I have to go hard every day. But the, the only way that I can go hard every day, all day, every day, is if I understand what my triggers are. And then I put myself in a position to where I can fill my cup. And it may not be an hour and a half or five hours or whatever you have, but you put yourself in a position where you could get alone with God and then allow God to talk to you and then utilize that self and situational awareness through your intentionality. And you just happen to win a car from it. I mean, so when you're trying to win a car in life, no, uh, when you, when you're, when you're in a situation, man, that just resonates so much to you just to be able to, to, throw out your own expectations and to be able to put yourself in a position of recognizing, yo, this is what I can do to control my controllables. Because man, being in a shack with my only option for entertainment as a woods for seven months. And I know I've met you, dude, you're not a small dude having to eat beans and rice. I mean, I can be nice, but there's going to be thresholds to that nice. And I don't know how long that's going to (laughs) last at month seven. Honor and respect to you, man, to still have the wherewithal and the gumption, dude, to put yourself in a position to know that God is going to speak to you and then being able to understand and know what to do with it, man. That is honorable. Not a lot of folks that I know understand how to do that and especially do that like on the wind side. You know, it's okay when you're desperately crawling to do something. And I want to say desperate, like I don't even want to understand what it would be like to be in that situation for seven months. But Let's just say for the sake of this conversation, if I was like, dude, you would think it would be easy to talk to God in those times because you think you're going to be broken, beaten and defeated. But when you have that energy of like winning like a new car, especially, and I know for you with your competitive nature, like the car was the trophy, but the wins for you were the seven dudes that you beat to be able to get yourself on top of that podium. And then to be able to have the way that you listened to your heart, like, dude, that to me, like, I'm going to play that story in my head for years to come, man. That's such a solid share, brother. Honor, respect to you. I appreciate you bringing that, man. Real talk. Amen. Thank you, bro. I hope that I say that as an example, just like the Bible, I believe is a book of examples, not of exemptions. For me, I need some good examples because my journey of faith hasn't always been one where I in the past, oh, I hear. I would have people that would share something. Oh man, I felt like God told me this. God did this. Or I just heard or I knew. I'm like, man, I don't have that. That's not fair. That's not cool. So I say that to say that anyone out there with that same thing of like, oh, that's that's a cool story. Good for him. But that can't happen for me. I cancel that disbelief and say, God can and will speak to you. You can hear from him. But a lot of times, because it doesn't happen, we assume it never will. Some of those environmental circumstances that I was put in, I didn't choose to put myself there. I choose to put myself on the show, but I didn't want to be stuck in these places of isolation. 
I then made the most of the opportunity that was before me. Instead of complaining or, or being mad, I said, you know what? It is what it is. I can see how people who get put in prison unjustly, some, I wouldn't say thrive, but they make the most of that. You're like, you know what? I'm going to read books. I'm going to spend time in prayer. They can come out of that situation in an elevated status in life in a way of being able to take that adversity and let it activate them. Others, through bitterness, through distraction, through anger, miss any opportunity to grow in that. So I would just say, don't miss opportunities, whatever your season of life is. Be all in with that season of life. Don't miss the opportunities that you do have instead of you know focusing on the ones that you're, you're missing out on. And in those moments, you, God can speak to you. He will, especially if you can learn to put that phone down or put it on silent or get away from it. I've got friends who are literally attached at the hip to their phone. They are a slave to their phone, to their business, to their job, and they have no life in them. They are drained, and they can't figure out for the life of them why. You can detach yourself, or if you let God detach you, he'll try to detach you. He's, he's done it to me. I feel like there's been injuries in my life that were allowed. They weren't a punishment, but they were allowed to finally break a cycle in my life, to help me unplug, to detach. I've had losses that taught me a lesson. So again, as I mentioned earlier, those, you know, either winning or learning, and now see where I can learn. So I just want to speak that faith and that reminder to those out there that would be like, oh, I don't, I don't hear from God like that. That's cool, but that doesn't happen for me. What well, hadn't really happened for me either until I got in that place. So God is no respecter of persons. You know, every victory that I've been able to claim not only has come through a lot of adversity, but it's not just for me. I am no one special. I am special because I'm created unique, just like each person listening. Come on. But I am your average dude. With a really big trophy over your shoulder. Sorry, minor details. Average dude, big trophy, seven months, (laughs) minor details. No, I'm kidding. Perseverance pays, my guy. That's all it is. You are the epitome of that, brother. That is for sure, man. Listen, dude, as we land this plane, brother, first of all, again, honor and respect to you for your time, honor and respect for you for the way that you show up 100% and play full out, whether it's in a conversation in the middle of the woods in Dominican Republic, the 78 times that you are and are going to be on and continue to champion American Ninja Warrior, man. I love that when dudes just play full out for regardless of situation or circumstance, man. And I appreciate that. I know that our audience is going to take away a litany of the gold nuggets that you dropped in this and showed up for them. Anything else, dude, that is on your mind or your heart that you want to share that we otherwise haven't chatted about yet today? Al, I appreciate you having me on here. I'm honored. I'm honored just to have you as a friend and a brother. Yeah, man. So thank you for this opportunity. And I, I'm just speaking in faith that the things that we talked about and some of the stories of my life are the activator for someone else to see and hear that, hey, it's not just for me. I want you to know that you're listening. It is for you. Whatever it is in life, if it's the the reminder to persevere, to keep pushing, if it's the idea that you can dream bigger. Like I listen to content religiously. I'm looking for gold to mine from other people's experiences, from their success and their failures. And that's the only reason. Like My success on Ninja was not because I was a better athlete. Trust me, I have watched hundreds of other athletes that are better than me physically, even mentally. But the difference that gave me success was I was observing and then applying, observing, applying. And so as you've observed some of the things that I've shared in my stories, I don't want you to go, oh, I can never do X, Y, and Z because I'm not like Nate. I want you to take a story and say, wow, how did he get from a place of of disbelief and didn't have the full ability to continue to step into something that God had stirred in my heart? And each one of us has something God stirs in our heart. It could be a thing we're feeling called to do. It could be a conversation we don't want to have. It could be the leap of faith. Whatever it is, the the perseverance reminder in your relationship, grab an element of the faith that I carry 
and apply it to your life and whatever your circumstance or situation is and watch God show up there. And a lot of times God doesn't show up until we're at the end of ourself. Super good, man. So that's my encouragement to everyone listening. I hope that some of these stories give you an example to keep going. And Al, thank you for having me on here, man. It's awesome. Nah, there's no hope, man. That's believing, brother. Appreciate you. I love you, brother. I love your heart. Lastly, man, as the listener, if I want to be able to get a hold of Nate and I want to be able to get more of some no limit Nate, man, how can we find you, follow you? How do we get a hold of you, brother? Yeah, great question. You know, I'm fairly active on social media channels at no limits Nate. Those are my handles. You can find me on Instagram. It's probably my most active, but I've got a Facebook page and I'm working on a YouTube channel now. I've had one, but I'm starting to try to put out more content. I appreciate times like this where I get to have conversations. God always does something to me when I finish something like this. I see, wow, there's a story I completely forgot about that encourages me because I tend to forget things quickly and I'm moving on to the next situation. So I'm working to put more of that content out on YouTube, both to motivate myself and give myself the reminders. I hope that some of that out there will also inspire and encourage others as y'all get engaged. So you can find me out there, Nate Burkhalter at No Limits Nate. And I'm looking forward to sharing some of this content to encourage myself and also those that I'm friends with or connected with online. Hey, listen, guys, this is like the eighth Driven Few episode. And it's not because of intentionality or lack thereof, um, but I'm just that guy, quite candidly, that I'm selective with who I have on my show, show, podcast, whatever you want to call it, number one. And number two, I want the content to be meaningful. So if it takes me a week, a month, six months to be able to have a guest or a subject matter to be able to speak to that I know is going to come from the heart and not my head or the guest head, then then so be it. So I say that to say when something comes across and it serves you or you get a little piece of information or a nugget or it just makes you feel good, please do me a favor. I mean, this isn't me pandering for a review, but it's absolutely unequivocally me pandering for a review. So leave me that 10-star review. And if you can't figure out how to do 10-star, guys, I'll take five. It's totally fine. So again, (laughs) I appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Driven View with Al Hamid. If you love what you heard, and I know that you did, please follow us on Apple and Spotify and leave us that 10-star review. All right, if you can't find 10, we will gladly accept that five-star review. You can also connect with me, Al Hamid, on both Instagram and Facebook. Al Hamid, H-A, M is in Mary, E is in Edward, D is in Diesel. And as always, don't forget to subscribe and like.